When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. This is the main event. This is the main event. Mark's podcast. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, cat dad, and Ted DiBiase's Gilbert. I am Troy. And with me, as always, is the main event collector and figure hunting warrior. He is the WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia and the undertaker to my Paul Bearer. Oh, yes. It's Greg. What's up, Greg? Why was an undertaker to your undertaker? I don't know, because I'm short and fat. I... Don't ask questions. <laughs> but... Yeah. So in Detroit, I'm going to have to paint myself up and uh, roll pale and uh, have a little have a little mustache and walk around carrying an urn. Mustache, you a question? Yes. Uh, as of the <laughs> posting of this, by the way, uh, looking at our schedule, uh, we are about to head out to Detroit this weekend. So yay us. Yay. Detroit Rock City, man. So when is it there? Uh, August 2nd. Yeah, okay. I'll be leaving on the 4th, I think. The yeah, day before. So, well, maybe. I haven't booked the flight yet. I'm just trying to figure out if I want to leave on Thursday or Friday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're going to hang out at uh, in Detroit. This will be our second SummerSlam, uh, viewing it together live. This will be my sixth SummerSlam, I believe. Yeah. So the first one I ever went to was 2015, was when you and I spent a week in New York City. That was awesome. One of the biggest vacations I ever had, actually. And then I've had uh, bigger, <laughs> but we, then, uh, good. I just had to, I had to get that in there. Sorry. <laughs> but now we're going to Detroit. Uh, it's only going to be for a couple of days. This one won't be quite as big, but it'll be fun. We're going to go to Russell con and all that good stuff. So it'll be a fun filled weekend for sure. And the first live wrestling event I've seen, I think since the last time you and I hung out. So there's that. It's my first one since WrestleMania. Yeah. So getting all the big ones in there. Giggity. <laughs> yeah, you do but, it too. Yep. But we're going back to the year 1994 with this one. It's 19 uh, is 19 years ago. Yeah. Gosh. It can't Maybe? be 19 no. years ago. Oh, hell 30, no. No, I, I can't. So math. On, six and 23 is 29, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 20, 29 years ago. I, I can't math. Okay. Everybody just my bad. <laughs> we're going back 29 years professional ago. show and i think it shows <laughs> exactly and the year 1994 was weird it had some big stuff in it for both wwe and wwf oddly enough also, we're about to, yeah, we're about to talk about something that happened in ecw around this time period as well that was pretty big and still talked about to this day so, you know, all the companies are... I'm in the dark here. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm curious now. Oh, 
Oh, we'll get to it. We've got we've got this week in ECW coming up in the news this week. So, uh, and, and then uh, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I start going through the the story. But yeah, this is going to be uh, it's going to be a fun show. I think we got some good news on the docket, and then I don't know. I feel like this SummerSlam you and I talked about it before gets a lot of crap. I didn't think it was that bad. I I enjoyed watching it actually. So I'm going to say exactly what I said last week because I got confused. This what show we're recording. Yeah, this is a pretty good show. Yeah, uh, I liked it. I was here for it. I didn't. There were only a couple of matches where I was like, ah, but there were actually three matches on this card that were really damn good. One of them. If I had, not if been, I had one criticism, not to get ahead of myself, but if I had one criticism and probably be match placement. Yeah, well, <laughs> especially when you've got like. I realized they were kind of building too, and the whole thing was surrounding that main event. Ugh. But nah, man, that that cage match should have closed this show. Period. But uh, I brought this up before. Apparently, Brett and Owen went way long by like over fifteen minutes. So that means if well, this was birth alone was like an hour, right? So if you think about it. That if the Undertaker versus Undertaker match went on before this one, it would have had its its scheduled timing, and that would have dragged out, man. So yeah. Maybe at the end of the day, the match placement was fine, but I w- we'll get to it. There there is one match where I'm like, holy cow! I think the previous match just killed the crowd for this. But like I said, we'll get into it uh, real quick though. Before we dive into the news and notes, I do want to talk about the sponsor of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Muller Bros Golf Signature Polos. Muller Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those who want a subtle and sleek looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MullerBros.com for 15% off. Muller Bros doesn't just have polos, by the way. They have really fun golf t-shirts that you can wear anywhere. Maybe like that barbecue that your family invited you to, or even that get-together with your friends. Maybe a night out on the town if you want to have fun while looking good and also impressing the local ladies. Make sure to let them know where you got that shirt and wear it proudly. Don't wait to try out your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's 15% off at M-A-H-L-E-R-Bros.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the golf course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros. polos. Mahler Bros. golf. Look good. Feel good. Feel good. Play good. And now that we're done with that, we're going to get into our first break. On the other side, we're diving into the news and notes. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Get ready to rumble! In your new Main Event Marks merchandise, we've got t-shirts, hoodies, masks, hats, stickers, pins, and much more on our Redbubble store. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com. You can also pick up some awesome clothing items with the latest updated show graphics on our Bonfire store. That's bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Support your favorite retro wrestling podcast and pick up some cool swag on our Bonfire and Redbubble stores. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com and bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. By God! Somebody's interrupting the main event marks! Sit down, JR. It's just me, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, your host of Here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I know, a hockey show on the main event marks. Who would have thought? This is an invasion angle. Somewhere between the Nexus and when WCW tried to invade WWE, you know, somewhere in there. But I'm over here just telling you that one half of your tag team champions over here, Greg... He told his story of his love for the game of hockey over on my show. And if you'd like to hear that story, all you have to do is search here in Puckburg, wherever you get your podcast, or on YouTube. In the meantime, Shagamania's got to go run wild on some other hockey show. So, just remember, quote the Raven, nevermore. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and oh yeah! Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. We're back. Do you like your coffee like you like your podcasts? Gimmick and politics free? Well, so do we here at the main event marks. And so do the guys and gals at Coffee Brand Coffee, where they ditch the gimmicks. You see, when you buy your coffee from other roasters, chances are that they've been sitting on the shelf for heaven knows how long. Don't rob yourself of freshness. At Coffee Brand Coffee, they roast to order, ensuring that you get the freshest coffee possible. And as Greg will tell you, that's what counts. Coffee Brand Coffee offers bagged coffee, as well as K-Cups, and for the non-coffee people... They offer a variety of teas and cocos. Just click on the link down to the podcast description or go to coffeebrandcoffee.com and use our promo code main event, all one word, at checkout to get 5% off your order. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the promo code main event to save 5% at checkout. It's news and notes time. Cracking anything today? No, I'm just drinking a bottle of water. Yeah, I'm drinking the great value brand soda that I got. So, uh, for hey, anybody that soda. yeah, soda pop, all that good stuff, or for you in the south, Coke. I don't get that one. Uh, yeah, but, but by the uh, south we mean Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, that. Some people might oh. get it. <laughs> wow. Somebody referred to themselves at, like they say, "Well, we're uh, they moved to to Florida, and they're like, oh, we're Southerners now.' Like, ah." I don't know if that, I mean, geographically, well, if you get to Florida like Miami, is, you don't get any more Southern United States, do you? 
well, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, if you're talking geographically, yeah, Florida's in the south, obviously. But if you're talking, like, when you think southern people, Florida ain't the first place you go to. I mean, maybe the bayou people, like, or, you know, the, the people out on the Florida swamps and whatnot, the rassle gators. But for the most part, Florida isn't, like, your stereotypical south state. But... I don't know. People not from the U.S. won't get this at all. (laughs) I'm not talking to you guys, but either way, uh, I think it's time to get into the news and note so. So I'll go ahead and hit it. That is correct. Shut the fuck up, Dave. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Boom. (laughs) Love it. Every week. Uh, We're diving into the WWF first here. SummerSlam 94 takes place on August 29th in Chicago, and the WWF hasn't even made their fake announcement of tickets being sold out yet. That's probably not a good sign, even with the show being the debut in the new state-of-the-art United Center. This card is just not setting the world on fire. Also, the mainstream press is snidely burying the whole thing, with the narrative being... Oh, look, they're opening the brand new United Center and putting wrestling in the first event. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Yeah. That's a coup for the WWF, I'll say. Like, oh, look, anybody can write an article and they're letting Dave Meltzer do it. Yeah. Well, obviously, Dave isn't one of the people burying it, but, you know, because uh, he, he actually like. Well, why would he bury the thing that he. Well, I can't say he works in wrestling, but he writes about wrestling. So he's well, not going to. He writes about AEW, so no, he doesn't write or work in wrestling. But... Oh, good God. But oh, am I wrong? I didn't say it. I'm not no, saying didn't. that whatsoever. <laughs> I'm not even alluding to that. But you know how the mainstream press is. Oh, that's that wrestling crap. Fast forward I, now and you can see them everywhere. We're on ESPN stuff. I like how like some of them like turn their nose up like, ugh, we can't talk or write about the wrestling. But we'll write about, I don't know softball or you know whatever and that cute little sports soccer yeah bounce that damn ball off their heads right uh i by the way the other day on twitter i saw biggest flop trending and i could have swore they were going to be talking about lebron but i was wrong (laughs) now when you say that do you mean him flopping on the court or him flopping in la yes okay (laughs) oh man do you see hulu's got a new movie about like him and his high school team it's like oh, you mean LeBron? Do, yeah i'm like i'm like oh you mean lebron and all the guys he left behind cool <laughs> like yeah, joe smith one and two yeah i'm like who knows these other people i mean maybe that's the whole point of the movie well you don't know these people it's like yeah there's a reason like who the hell are they like, and who cares but either way, uh, the United Center, speaking of basketball, is where the Bulls play, right? Yeah, they were just opening this for them. Yeah, so this is not uh, the Rosemont Horizon where you and I actually saw the uh, Survivor Series, I want to say? Yeah, 2019. Okay. Yeah, so that's the normal place where people go to Rosemont Horizon, but United Center. I forget how I- many events you and I have been to together. <laughs> Yeah, was it SummerSlam 2015, WrestleMania 30, and I'm not counting the NXT ones. Right, WrestleMania 34. Yeah, because the NXT go hand in hand with those, so. Right. Survivor uh, Series 19... I tend to forget forget Fastlane a lot. 
Yeah, Fat which was the last pay per view ever for the Shield. Yeah. Uh, and then crap. What was the last one we went to? Extreme Rules. Extreme Extreme Rules. Yeah, twenty twenty two. So. Yeah, we've been to a handful, and now obviously SummerSlam uh, 2023. So good stuff, pal. Yeah, and uh, Detroit, go blue. Uh, eat ass for that. The ass of abyss, by the way. Which I mean, they call him abyss for a reason. Good lord. Get in there, mouth first. What do you think the black hole is? Exactly. <laughs> He's gonna black hole slam you. <laughs> Right, this got weird. And then afterwards, you're going to need some shock treatment. Yeah, that, that place. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, we just talked about this word. Although last year's flop of a show with Lex Luger's title chase doing 280,000 buys. By the way, <laughs> I believe it's the last one ever in Detroit. No, it's not a good omen. Uh, right. was, consider- <laughs> was considered a huge letdown. That same number would be a massive success this year. In fact, the Undertaker versus Undertaker angle is such an ice-cold storyline that Vince McMahon has already publicly declared it dead and buried after only one match. Oh, of course, you're it dead. It's two Undertakers. Yeah. You're losing your live belt? Yeah, right. <laughs> My question is, I guess you could have done some creative writing with it, whatever, but it's like, where else are we going to go with this? The Undertaker returns, he beats the fake Undertaker, boom, you're done. I don't know. And Brian it Lee. Kind of was, been, it kind of would have just that was the word uh redundant, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. To have more matches. My dad uh wondered for years when Kane showed up, he's like, I wonder if that was the same guy that was the fake Undertaker. And I had when uh when I started Okay, that's funny. My dad said the exact same thing. Yeah. I guess I guess you can see why they would think that though, right? Right, yeah, because it's like, eh, maybe he got another job and came back as Undertaker's brother. Like, mm, nah, I mean, obviously, you know, people that didn't live online back in the late 90s, uh, a lot of people didn't know. It's like uh, the fake Undertaker was in DOA at the time, so. Because but, of the real Undertaker. Right. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because of the real Undertaker, he really would be DOA after a while. That's going uh, to age badly. Right. Now, speaking of which, Brian Lee will be taken off of house shows and he'll be back soon with a new look and a new character. And uh, that sets me up for the first one of these in the podcast. <laughs> I didn't even hit that because I didn't even think about it. <laughs> if by soon you mean three years. Sure. You know, people define time in their own way. Okay, so. Yeah, right. Like that one where uh, uh, they said, oh, well, one, two, three kid will be back soon or, or they'll no. They said, uh, one, two, three kid will be back in September or whatever. And they didn't. And then they were like, well, they didn't say September of what year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, your fault for all the fine print. Exactly. Either way. Meanwhile, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart also comes to an end after limping to a finish for the past few months. While house shows have died steadily with them on top. Although houses started strong with the match. Interest didn't last, and the last two months have been the lowest drawing houses in the history of the company. Uncle Dave doesn't does note that although WrestleMania was an all-time classic match between them, the house show matches have been massive disappointments. Quote, Bret Hart doesn't usually live up to his self-pronouncements uh, of his own abilities at house shows, Uncle Dave notes. Oh. So, 
So he doesn't try that hard when there's not a camera on? Oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, I've heard of that. Some guys are like, I mean, why? You know, why risk injury and go hard? Like, it's just, I realize you want to put on a show, but I don't know. I can see both sides of it, maybe. I just think that, you know, his wrestling skill may have been better than everybody, but his character appeal was not Hogan. Sorry. Dude, I I got some notes on his promo from this show that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> There's a reason they kept Anvil around for so long. <laughs> and he wasn't good either. No, but he was hey, better. Right. And every one of his promos was like the warrior, by the way. He just yelled. Yeah, right. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it loud. And then I'm going to laugh. Ha ha ha. Anyway. The WWF tried an experiment of doing a live call-in show on the USA Network this past week, and it was a complete disaster. As all of these are, uh, the show seemingly confirmed every stereotype of wrestling fans, making it sound like the product was a cartoon aimed at morons. <laughs> wow. Uh, Uncle Dave thinks that either the Ironically, company was... the morons read his news. Wow. Uh, Uncle Dave thinks that either the company was screening calls to weed out anyone who might actually ask a smart question... Or, more terrifyingly, the callers were actually a representative sample of their actual audience. <laughs> Why oh. not both? You, you don't know. It could be both. They could be weeding calls, and they're all dumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who's calling in, though? Like, I want to know. It's like, what was the age range of these callers? Were they kids? Were they adults? Like, I would like to hope that if he's calling them morons, that these were adult callers. But you never know with Dave. Well, remember, adults read his uh, newsletter, so. There's that. But the WWF announced the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio as the site of Survivor Series 94, which is an interesting departure from the big Um, arenas for them. Let me spoil something for you. That show sucked, too. (laughs) You don't say. Uh, This is actually a mid-sized building. I just watched it recently. I... Don't know if Only I've ever of my seen my binge it. watching I got there, so I had to watch it because I'm a completist. But right. it was the Undertaker and Yokozuna in the cast match, and Chuck Norris is there. Oh yeah, and uh, Double J eats the boot. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Which I think he's on record saying was a career highlight for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you got roundhouse by Chuck Norris. By the way, oh, you're lucky you didn't die. Yeah. Right. Uh, Chuck. By the way, like, look, I realize he's a legit badass in real life, but. I would like to hope he was holding back, and this is why you notice that Jarrett had to like bend over <laughs> to get it in the chest. I don't remember that, but I remember him flopping yeah. back on top of his head. Yeah. Uh, th- this is going to age badly. Ryan Armstrong debuted at the WWF TV tapings and didn't get over at all. <laughs> However, oh, <shit. laughs> for for people that don't know, that's BG James, Road Dog. Yeah, I like you know that one first. Don't yeah, I don't, I don't know why I brain farted on that one. It's, uh, but yeah, it's the well, Road Dog. Know, Mark Calloway, he was formerly known as Mean Mark Callis and then The Undertaker. You know, you always thought we the best. <laughs> well, yeah. Duh. <laughs> anyway. But, however, since both he and Max Payne were at the tapings. Oh, both, hell yeah. And both are musically talented. There's been discussions of doing some kind of rock band gimmick with them. Man, what could have been? <laughs> uh, only Road Dog's more of a rap guy, isn't 
uh, rap, country. Max Payne, know. as everyone knows, was uh, heavy metal, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, he was just rock in general. That's Mel- that's Man Mountain Rock, right? Yes. Uh, for I mean, he does, as you mentioned, he does get a job as Man, Man Mountain Rock. Brian Armstrong gets a job as the roadie to uh, uh, Jeff worry. Jarrett. It's going to progress pretty well, I think. Yeah, I could right. be wrong. He's the roadie. And, okay, so looking back at it now, I can definitely hear that's his voice singing with my baby tonight. Oh, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah. When I growing up, I had no because, well, I didn't really follow this storyline, you know, until like years later. And then I found out about it because by the time I knew him, he was road dog already. Uh, but going well, back, he never listening. spoke as a road dog ever. So you didn't you even get an inkling of what his voice was like. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it wasn't until he came back without Jarrett that he spoke for the first time. So there you go. But anyway, uh, the WWF did a fake title switch at the tapings in Portland, Maine on August 17th with Owen Hart apparently beating Bret Hart for the WWF title with help from Jim Neidhart. However, after the airing of the finish, However. On, <laughs> finish on the video wall, the ref restarted the match and Bret won. Yeah, I mean, this kind of stuff happens. Is this one of their the things where they gauge the reaction or what? I'm thinking, yeah. Because they did this stuff all the time back in the day. I don't think they do now just because the internet is like so prevalent. But back then, you could kind of get away with it. Uh, I mean, there was the one you and I talked about where uh, Ultimate Warrior would win the world title at the beginning of the show. Or, or no, the Intercontinental title. He would win the Intercontinental title first match on the show, uh, come out like do some taped segments for like TV down the road with the title. And then at the end of the show, he'd be stripped of the belt for some BS reason. Championship, pal. God dang it, pal. But yeah, so weird. I like this one. Shawn Michaels and diesel are now up to about 85% cheers for their matches at both tapings. Yeah. First of all. Yeah. Like you just pointed out. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, They're definitely on their cool, way to being baby faces. Right. Like, how can you boo the cool guy? That's why the NWO was so over. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, those two guys helped ruin heels. <laughs> they yeah, just right. completely crapped on it. And Razor, too. I mean, Razor yeah. wasn't really with them at the time, but whenever he was a heel, he was cool. People loved him. And uh, the other thing about this, though, 85% is an odd number that Dave just pulled out of his ass. Well, I'm sure he was there and he did a head count and was looking at everybody cheering and then did the math. Yeah. And he's usually in depth with stuff. He doesn't just he pull over his ass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But instead of like uh, toothpicks, it was fans. <laughs> 85, 85, 85. Got it. <laughs> uh, God, speaking of aging badly, King Kong Bundy is back, but didn't tape any TV matches yet. Uh, well, thank you, Lucky Stars. I'm just even looking back now. I'm like, why did he come back? Not to because crap they, on the dead, but like, why are you here? Because they trusted his word instead of actually, you know, watching him first. Like, I'm, I'm gonna go with the fact. Like, uh, this is my thought process on it. King Kong Bundy was one of the people that convinced them. Look, we need to start. Like, even if they're a legend, give them a dark match first before we hire them, <laughs> because. Yikes, man. Like, uh, 
I think Pritchard said they they signed him sight unseen because, well, he's King Kong Bundy. He did big business for us in the past. He had some good ideas. No, no, he he was with someone who did business for you in the past. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, look, it was it was Hulk Hogan with opponent. All right, just insert somebody there. Like, it was. It just so happened to be the big ass King Kong Bundy who, for some reason, shaved his eyebrows and looked like a damn egg. It was like he was like the uh, Messiah. Hogan was he just like. It's like rub some uh, what's that stuff that Tinkerbell had? <laughs> pixie dust? Yeah, he just drops pixie dust on there. Boom, to make a million bucks. Yeah, it's, didn't they? I think they said that on the the Hogan or uh, the Pritchard's show too, or they sprinkle some Hogan dust on them. That might have been where I got that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not wrong, but. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. It's Hogan working with that guy from Married with Children. The guy who inspired Married with Children. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in WCW now, the Clash of the Champions on August 24th should produce the highest rated broadcast in years. It probably we know what that is, but it should. Yeah, it is. Uh, I knew you were going to ask, so I actually hold on, hold it up. 94, let me guess. Let me guess. Is that Hogan and somebody and then who? Uh, Butcher is revealed to be Brutus the Effenbar Beefcake. Um. Well, let me let me see that first part. That is correct. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's see. Hogan and Flair is the main event. Okay, I was going to say yes. that, but I felt like that'd be the easy answer. Early on in the show, Hogan was attacked by a masked man played by Arn Anderson. Though the story, though in the storyline, the assassin was eventually revealed as Brutus. The effing Barber Beefcake. I remember and, seeing that when I was a kid. I'm like, what the f***? Really? That was a huge <laughs> swerve, dude. Because that was his guy forever, as you as we all know. But Brutus, you. I'm a number one guy. <laughs> Holy crap. Fans of Batman 89 will get that. Uh, but this, by the way, you and I talked about this when we reviewed was, uh, Bash of the Beach 94. So this was actually the show where Steamboat suffered a career-ending back injury. So there oh, you go. Man. Yeah, because they did a rematch for the U.S. title, him versus Steve Austin. And falling off the second rope, by the way, and was asked that ended his career. Yeah. Not laughing at it, but like, how does that happen? I know, man. Something, probably something you learn day one. How to fall on your yeah. ass. I feel like you and I need to watch this show sometime just because of the historical significance of it, but... Either way, uh, it's so back to the story, though. You have Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, good momentum and probably a title change. Logic and storyline and booking direction all indicate a title change. But Uncle Dave understands. But Uncle Dave understands the ego involved and wouldn't want to place any money on it. So, yeah, that first part. I mean, Flair does win, but he doesn't win the title. Uh, Ironically, Hogan will lose that title via GQ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's not stupid. Uh, plus, there's only so many jobs that Hulk Hogan is going to do for the rest of his career. The hope is for a 5.0 rating, but they need to get at least a 4.0. This was Clash of the Champions 28, How by the that, way. Like, what, what does he mean by that? They have to get this or what? Uh, I guess to, You can't to, say that they have to without having a reason uh, of course, basically, it's to basically it's just. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, uh, 
statistics and whatever for the time. I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know exactly what he's basing it off of. He might have went more into depth in the article that I didn't read, but either way. Uh, this was Clash of the Champions 28, and it actually did a 4.5, so it certainly worked out well for them. I mean, yeah, oh, you got yeah. yeah, you got the U.S. title match rematch or U.S. title rematch from uh, Bash the Beach early on in the card, and the main event is Hogan and Flair for the world title. That's a well, pretty is, big this card. Is free, this is free TV, by the way, obviously, but just point that I, out. But. Yeah, uh, back when TBS had big time wrestling on it. Anyway, no, that's in. Uh, uh, Newark, California, big time wrestling. That's where Bailey's yeah. from. I'm just being a smart ass, sorry. There was a big time wrestling up in uh, Detroit as well. That was the old Sheik's, uh, the original Sheik, his territory. Now I'm going super nerd with it, but anyway. While the WCW t- world title may not change hands, the U.S. title certainly will, since post Clash TV direction has Ricky Steamboat winning the title and suffering a shoulder injury in the process. Well, wow. uh. Wow. Uh, the shoulder injury may be fake, but the real injury not. is not. <laughs> yeah. That effing sucks, man. I don't understand. Uh, well, well, you and I talked a career-ending injury. You just put him out for 21 years. Which or not. First, How long yeah. was it? 2000, well, 2009. 10. Uh, was it 9? Yeah, maybe it was 9. Yeah, it was 9. Yeah. So what's it? So, that's uh, 15 years? Right. So, I mean, it pretty much ended his career. He came back for one match, but... Two. I, it was it two? Yeah, he wrestled Jericho at Backlash, which I mean, oh, argue okay. is better than WrestleMania. That's <laughs> back when Chris Jericho could have a good match. Oh, don't don't say that to the freakazoids. Nobody's been watching his stuff now and think this is great. I haven't seen a match of his that I've liked in a couple yeah, of years. So there's that. Yeah, I He's well, still an all-time great though. If anyone wants to yell at me, yeah, I'm not crapping on his legacy. I'm just crapping on him now. That'd be like if after what we saw at Crown Jewel or whatever the hell it was, or Super Showdown, I think it was, uh, Shawn Michaels just kept on wrestling like yeah, right. in that form. Like, ah, man, he sucks. It's like, yeah, but he's one of the greatest of all time, possibly the greatest. So there you go. Well, Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. Nobody wants to remember him on the Broncos of the uh, Seahawks. So that. <laughs> yeah, right. Just some California teams. Right. But Hulk Hogan did an interview with a Florida newspaper this past week, getting some good shots at people in the process. When they asked him about Bret Hart's description of him as a dinosaur, Hulk noted that he made seven figures on pay-per-view for one match, so it's, quote, better to be a dinosaur than a sore loser, end quote. (laughs) Uh, I guess he's got a point there, but it's still pathetic. Yeah. Uh, He also claims to have been producing television for 15 years, basically taking credit for everything Vince McMahon had done in the industry. That's always been a a debate. It's like, could Vince have done what he did and made WWF what he did without Hulk? I don't think so, but I don't think Hulk would have been what he was without Vince McMahon either. Right. I mean, Hulk Hulk was starting an upward trajectory, and he was like a big deal in the AWA back when they still mattered. But they pointed out they didn't want to pull the trigger with him. Because even though he was arguably arguably their biggest star, Vern wanted a wrestler, and Hogan was more of an entertainer. So, I don't know. And well, that's what, why... What made more money? The wrestler or the entertainer? Exactly. And that's and Vince, uh, Vince offered him some cash. He came down. Boom, Hulkamania exploded. Because Hulkamania... It, 
Conrad always laughs his ass off about you know, when, when Bischoff says this, but it's true, where he says uh, Hulkamania started in the AWA, not in the WWF. And, I mean, technically it's true. It, it didn't you know, blow up. Uh, another football reference here. Kurt Warner, one of the best quarterbacks ever started in Canada, the Canadian Football League. Right. You know, nobody talks about that. Like it's true. I mean, yeah. Yep. Facts are facts. Yeah. Right. And Conrad laughs about it. Oh well, nobody cared about him in the AWA. It's like I mean, they did. It just wasn't a national thing oh, like WWF was. <laughs> so that was that was always the argument. They're the like, title from Nick Bockwinkel and something happened. Like they did a screw reverse or something like that. Yeah, they basically did a dusty finish on it, and it damn near killed the town. Because people were like, well, that's... And then he went on the greener pastures. <laughs> right. It's like, well, if you're not going to give the belt... Stuff up, dude. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. It's it's dumb. And, and yeah, I don't know. I, it's been debated. It's like, if he didn't get Hogan, could he still have done what he did? And with, you know, could he have gotten somebody else and plugged him in there and made him a huge star? I suppose he could have done anything, but what... But the company took off. That's the question. Yeah. That's like the answer, the had... answer to your question is going to be yes. He could have got anybody. But would it have been enough to do what he did? I don't think Right. So. Well, the, the, the debate was always like, okay, who, who the hell could it have been? It's like some people argued it's like maybe Dusty Rhodes. Like that's there, – there wasn't really anybody else that was like available at that time that was anywhere near that level of star. Dusty clearly uh, didn't Bruno had already hung it up, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, any guy that gets a private audience with the Pope tells me he's a mega star. But <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm going to say, I mean, Dusty is the only one I can really think of. Uh, people argued maybe one of the Von, like Carrie Von Eric or Gino Hernandez, but I mean, Gino's more of a heel. Wait, Gino's still alive at this time? Uh, in, in the early eighties, he is not, not right here. The time period we're talking about. No, but. I know. I know. But I, just, I forget what Zach. Uh, yeah, I sad. yeah, I know. And he, he was really good too. Uh, he passed away in 86. He's only 28. So yikes. But either way, it's a, it's a like big, him and Magnum TA could have done huge things for sure. I know there are different companies, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really a big, what if. Uh, that's that's one of the biggest like what ifs around. It's like well, that's the one of the things I hate about Dark Side of the Ring too, stuff like that. Right, yeah, that and uh, like I said, you know, is uh, somebody asked this question? There, there's stuff on Jim Cornette's podcast where he's like analyzing. It's like if not Hogan, who and could could anybody have come close? And I think the only answer I, he came up with was Dusty Rhodes. I know it wasn't a thing yet, but I, I think later on, once they established him, Sting might have had a chance. Yeah, but by the time he was like, like big enough, you know, where they could have done something like that, it was like what late eighties. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine. So, Hogan, Hogan took 89 off. Eighty-nine essentially is his coming out party, I believe. So, right. Hogan took off in eighty-one, eighty-two, something like that. So, but either way, getting back to this though. Speaking of Hulk, Thunder in Paradise appears to be dead in the water already, with the show not getting a renewal yet. And nothing on the horizon. Yeah, that's, uh, that things aren't looking good for Thunder in Paradise. I think you and I both established our parents both like that show. Yep. 
So I know my dad watched it with my mom quite a bit, and I watched the movie. I don't think I ever watched the show. It wasn't that bad, but you have to look past the bad acting stuff too. Yeah, right. Hulk was never a good actor. I'm sorry. I I never saw him in anything where I was like, man, that's some some good acting, man. Well, I actually thought Superman Commander wasn't that bad. No, that, that was, was probably that was, the best movie. Right. That's actually my favorite film he ever did, but oh man, gotta gotta talk about this guy. Johnny B. Bad blew out his ankle in England while doing a reality sports show. Wow. I had to get it in, man. If you're like a promoter or something, don't you get pissed when your guys get hurt doing something else? Yeah, right. Uh, This may screw up the current plan of having him win the TV title at Fall Brawl, since everything has already been taped around that. (laughs) In the opening match, no less. (laughs) Yeah, right. This is why you don't tape that far ahead, man. I think Uh, our buddy Jacob Grani needs to do a a retrospective on Johnny B. Bad, because that's the ultimate curtain jerker right there. Yeah, right. Hey, that's a that's a good one. By the way, he he did open the show and he did win the title against Lord Steven Regal. So there you go, man. Good God. But, you know, one more time for curtain jerker. Exactly. One more time for good measure. Johnny B. Bad, ladies and gentlemen. He definitely does. I mean, he's at least it's Johnny bad B. Bad. Man. And he's so damn pretty. Apparently, WCW has managed to book Madison Square Garden for a Hogan Flair match on November 26th, which would actually be one of the biggest stories of the year if it happens. Say that again, who? Uh, Flair and Hogan. In the garden for WCW? Yep. In November. Well, uh, well. Yeah, so uh, the other thing I have to say about this is incorrect. They never, ever ran the garden for WCW. This one is just to set you up. Rumors were flying that Terry Taylor had been fired. There you go. Since, uh, thank you for that. I got a tell figure of him. (laughs) I actually don't have any figures of him. Uh, But this is a register Mattel available. I had to get it. I had to. Oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but this is since Hulk Hogan has been bringing in his friends and they need to free up some money somewhere to pay for them. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor, you gotta let you go. I'm gonna bring in the nasty boys. <laughs> yeah, right. You gotta pay for Brutus the effing barber beefcake. You're gone, Terry. Don't let the door hit you where the good lord's. Hey, I can see the wrestling. Okay, we're gonna stick with the nasty boys. It's funnier, huh? <laughs> hey, the na- Nasty Boys had some good matches against some good yeah, teams. Yeah, against the right people. <laughs> right. However, by the way, this just appears to be a restructuring of the deal. So he is not fired. So. How are you going to fire the tailor-made man? Yeah, exactly. By the way, uh, so the big joke backstage is that the in the War Games match in September, it'll be the first time where Arn Anderson has the best body of anyone in the match. Holy hell. <laughs> uh, for, a rundown, uh, for a rundown of the hold teams. On, let me, hold on, 94. Let me try to guess. Hold on. I think it's 94. Is that, is that Hogan and Sting? And, no, that's 95. Um, uh, you're not going to guess. I, should just, I don't think Hogan's in this one, actually. No, he's not. This so one was Shockmaster? The, no. Okay. 
So the babyface team, the babyface team is uh, Dusty and Dustin Rhodes, and oh, the, the nasty. That's right. Yes. Nasty dreams they call them. And they're taking on the stud stable of Terry Funk, Art Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, and Colonel Robert Parker with me. Oh, I knew this. Should have got it. Yeah. So there you go. I love how yes. that, by the way, follows <laughs> up a triangle match that went 30 minutes. Theater Sting and Guardian Angel. Yeah, this just looks like a great card. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll throw it on the docket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, good Lord. Was this one of the months that didn't work for Hogan, brother? Uh, yeah, no, he's not even on this card. He... You and I brought up, he wasn't on, like, a ton of fall brawls. Uh, I don't think he was ever at a spring stampede. I can, maybe at, at the, maybe he's at the Russo one, I think. Uh, maybe. But, yeah. Anyway. In, because WCW News, they ran a house show on August 21st in Charleston, West Virginia, headlined by these guys again, the Nasty Boys versus the Sullivans, Kevin and Dave, in a cage match. Two problems are that the Nasty Boys have already turned babyface on TV, and second, the cage never actually arrived at the building. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Good crap, pal. The yeah. cage oh, you... didn't arrive? Yep. Where was this at? No cage. Uh, West Virginia. Oh, uh, you said August, so it's not a snow problem, so I don't... Nah. I don't know. <sighs> Hell if I know, man. It's just because WCW. Maybe they got lost on the way to the building with the cage. Char- was it Charleston? Yeah. Isn't there a Charleston, Carolina? Maybe they went there by accident. Uh, I don't know. Char- Charleston, South Carolina, I think, maybe. I think they, maybe be, they went there by accident. Like yeah, that scene right. on Tommy Boy. He's like, you see these two little letters after the city? That's the state. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> I like the... Uh, uh, I, there was another story about that. I think it was WCW as well, but in a different time uh, where, yeah, they they went to the wrong town with the cage. <laughs> wow. I know there was one. Uh, I know there was one specifically where this was WWE. This was a lot less serious, but Elijah Burke did exactly what you said. He went to the the town like it was the same name of a town in the wrong state. <sighs> yeah so he called them and he's like where are you guys they're like uh at the arena and he's like oh i'm in you know whatever town they're like what state and tells them they're like yeah that's like four states over moron <laughs> again i want to say you see those two little letters after the city <laughs> yeah right uh, and it's like uh what did they have an arena in that town How did you make that mistake i know like that just seems like a really simple thing not to do. Were you riding alone? Like most people don't ride alone. Usually the carpool, but what the hell ever. Uh, this one is, yeah, this, this is speaking of because WCW, Eric Watts was on the chopping block. Oh, hell yeah. To finally rid WCW of his contract. But shockingly, someone in the front office screwed up and now he's around for another 90 days. <laughs> Damn, man, we're going to wait more longer for Techno Team 2000. I know. Like, damn it. I was going to come in and set the woods on fire. <laughs> That's going to be their Dungeon of Doom angle. That's going to put the other company out of business. 
Yeah, it was going to turn business around. WWF was about to win the war right there before it even started. Freaking WCW. You know, they should be thinking, how does God. That, how does that happen? Oops, we messed up. You're around for 90 more days. We're going to keep paying you, even though we don't want you here. Dude, I told you about that. I've, I've, I've told that story a couple times on this podcast. He did that to the Iron Sheik. They sent his ass home because he sucked. And if you don't cancel the contract before it, the end of it, it just rolls over for another year. And they forgot to do that. So they called him back in. That's some uh, cell phone uh, BS right there. Well, you didn't yeah. cancel with us. Now, now you're stuck with us. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so they were like, well, if we, you know, if we're going to keep paying you for another year, you might as well come in and do something. And they realized, oh, he still sucks. So they sent him home again. I like he still sucks. I've heard like a million people say how nice of a guy he was, but man, you cannot wrestle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a re- they said that's the reason he won the gimmick battle royal was because he was in such bad shape he couldn't be dumped over the top rope. Oh. Yeah. Because they were trying to figure out how they were going to get him out, and they're like, uh, forget it. Like, just just have him win. I like Bro, when Bobby King on commentary said, but by the time he gets to the ring, he'll be wrestling at 38. And then come WrestleMania 38, there are memes everywhere. It's like, oh, she's just now getting to the ring. <laughs> Over down in uh, Houston. <laughs> I love that. Like, you got to uh, give fans credit for continuity on that one, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. And it, was in, and it was in the same state, by the way. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> like, I'm finally here, Bubba. Like, oh, we're in Dallas now. Damn it. Fuck the Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Uh, this one, I don't know anything about, but a new team debuted at the WCW Saturday night tapings called The Long Riders. Giggity. Oh, my God. Said to be two big green guys doing a biker gimmick. If this was the Smoking Guns, which, by the way, they went by The Long Riders uh, on the indies, uh, the biker gimmick is definitely wrong. Like, Who's sending Dave this report? But actually, was he still Billy Gunn? Uh, I don't know. I think they went by their real names, if I remember correctly. But their team name was the Long Riders. I recently so. heard, I think it was on Pritchard's podcast, where they said Billy Gunn had owned his name prior to WWE. Like, can you explain to me Kip James then? Uh, yeah, I don't know. But does he actually go by Billy Gunn? Do they ever say Billy Gunn now? Or is it they just do, yeah. Billy? Yeah, they okay. do. Huh. So, I don't friggin' know. Uh, I'm curious now because he was, like I said, he was. Uh, they were the Long Riders. Tell me who they were. I'm curious. I never, I never heard of them in my life. They must have never been on Nitro or. I think he went by. I think he went by Kip Winchester. Yeah, he did a brief stint as an enhancement talent with WCW before signing with WWF in 1993, and this is '94. So, so it's not him. Yeah. Well, can you Google it? What are they called? The Long Riders. Let's see. Was the other one Black Bart? What's the other thing that's popping up? And Al Green? Maybe. Black Bart's one of them, I guess. And yeah, the other one, I, I think, know. is Outlaw Ron Bass. Huh. Black Bart right, and Ron then. Bass. We're going to go with Black Bart and Ron Bass. That's who they were. Okay. Because Bart so. is best known as being one half, along with Ron Bass, of the classic tag team of Long Riders. Well, liberal that word, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, right. The classic tag team. 
But I, my entire life, had to Google it. So when uh, Bart Gunn was Brett Colt, and then uh, Billy Gunn was Kip Winchester. That's letting you know that he is super white. Oh, yeah. Kip Winchester. (laughs) But anyway, WCW house show business in Texas was way down yet again. So they decided to bring in some Mexican names to draw from the uh, big AAA CMLL base that all the kids are talking about. However, all the kids, yeah, the th- they, in their defense, they thought it was WCCW, or yeah. But uh, anyway, the names that uh, they chose for the booking were Chavo and Mondo Guerrero. To go against Terry Funk and Bunkhouse Buck. Man, how did they not draw the house with them? <laughs> oh, good God. That's Chavo Classic, I assume. Yes. <sighs> yeah, because, you know, when I want to draw the house uh, in 1994, I'm booking Chavo and Mondo against. Now hold on. You did say Texas, so Terry Funk would be a logical name. Yeah, and the Guerrero name, but still, like. Like everybody's like newer, younger, uh, these old guys. That's back when he was actually middle Asian crazy. Yeah, right. So going Joe, uh, your mother's a horror. God. I'm getting out of the uh of the United States here for this one. Vader added yet another world title to, to his collection beating Takata for the UWFI's version of the title on August 18th. It was the finale of the four-month tournament, bro, held by the company. And that must be tiring. Uh, and he won via knockout in 19 minutes, 24 seconds of a total slugfest. With five different varieties of world titles in his career, this gives Vader a record that is trailing only Luthez. Soon to be trailing uh, Matt Cardona. God, yeah, yeah. Because when Except, I, th- you know, Vader's titles mattered, but well, uh, you know, when I think of great title collectors and big, big names, uh, I, I frequently think of Zach Effing Ryder, <laughs> Mister GCW. Yeah, but God, that's that's a hell of a monitor moniker. He's proud of that, by the way. Pathetic. I would say GCW is the third highest, uh, or third best wrestling company in America. Said no one ever. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of his, by the way. I don't think I'm knocking him, but he's an idiot. Uh, I'm knocking all of that stuff. Like, dude, like, everything, like, the stuff that him and Brian Myers have done in the indies since leaving WWE, gross. Well, Myers is usually only an impact. He's not really doing much. I stand by what I said. <laughs> Myers but, is actually responsible for two champions in AEW right now, so there's that. Wow. Oh, yeah, MJF and uh, Chris Statlander. Forgot about that. Going to America's hat here. Uh, Davy Boy Smith's young son, Harry, made his pro wrestling debut for Stu Hart at a local rodeo in Calgary. Wow, wrestling. how old was he? Well, here you go. Uh, I think he's about 13 here. Uh, wrestling his cousin, Matthew Hart. Although both are very young, Stu had faith in them to pull it off. Unfortunately, Matthew Hart, brother of Teddy Hart, tragically died of a flesh-eating bacteria disease at the age of 13 in 1996. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he might have been 11 here. Who books an 11-year-old to wrestle? How's that not illegal? 
Canada, man. I don't know. Yeah, take the diaper off and get in the ring. Yeah, we're about to do this thing here. Just get, get in the ring and make him cry for his mama. Sound about right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on now. Quit crying. Get in there and stretch his ass. Yeah. So, oh, God. Although Sid Vicious hasn't been the giant draw in Memphis as unified champion that they were banking on, crowds have still been consistently strong. Oh, uh, I well, love Sid, but who banks on that? Yeah. Oh, Sid's going to come in and turn the territory around, man. <laughs> what about Sid? <laughs> like, uh, uh, nah. Yeah, what about him? How about new? This what is I 94, say. so he's fresh off his UWF run. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Had uh, Blackjack Brawl already happened? Yikes. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about this story. Never, ever, ever a good lead-in on this show. Nope. But to Smoky Mountain Wrestling, where the Gangsta's storyline continues spiraling out of control for Jim oh Cornette. Oh, God. The backstory... I, it, oh, go ahead. I don't know what you're going to say. I already know it's bad. Uh, not good. Believe me, not good. <sighs> anyway, the backstory is that the WWF's syndicated deal was going into the toilet with ratings hitting new lows. So as a stopgap measure, they made a deal with Cornette and Jerry Jarrett, <laughs> well, you know, uh, to include Smoky Mountain Wrestling and USWA TV shows as part of their syndication deal to sweeten the pot. Then they paid those never promotions. happened in California, so but I never saw it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, uh, Californians were jonesing for some good old-fashioned Southern wrestling. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know how syndicated it was, but it didn't get this far. Yeah, yeah. Well, Maybe I should be thanking God for that. I don't know. Maybe. But, uh, however, the... Uh, you, Kenny Omega. Sorry. Good Lord. <laughs> then they paid those promotions a piece of the action that resulted. However... With the gangsters alienating advertisers everywhere, the WWF. <laughs> I know, I'm shocked too. Uh, the WWF has now pulled out of the Smoky Mountain deal, which costs Cornette a significant amount of money every week. In addition, the Knoxville NAACP is campaigning against Smoky Mountain Wrestling after the interview that the gangsters did at Night of Legends, although Cornette is oh, taking it at. <laughs> right. A cornet is taking it as a controversy equals cash attitude and the whole thing uh, on, on this whole thing. And he'll be going full steam ahead with the team as his top headliner. <sighs> yeah. Why? I mean, I guess in hindsight, it did work. He said he made a lot of money with them. But why? Because me, right? Yeah, that's why I Dude, this was like, and this was a bad year for Smoky Mountain, all right? So, why? Because why not? This was effing stupid, man. Like, oh yeah, we'll just keep going with it, even though it's literally costing me money. Or on... Jim Cornette can be smart sometimes, but at the end of the day, like, I think he's kind of dumb about a lot of stuff. This being one of them. And I like, by the way, how this is causing the NAACP to, uh, to, yeah. to and for those who don't know, the them. gangsters were black guys. So, right. Maybe or, or they get be... mad at the negative 
uh, depiction or what? Which I can't probably. blame them for. Right. They were probably thinking like, oh, this is making us look bad because, you know, people are like, oh, well, all black people are like that. So I don't know. It was dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. But it is uh, this time of the week. We haven't done this in a little while, so I'll hit it. This week in ECW. And this will wrap up our show or our news segment. If I may have another volley. So after, a, after a week of haggling, it appears that the Rogue NWA World Title Tournament will, in fact, be sanctioned by the National Wrestling Alliance after all. Oh, uh, yay. That's. Yeah, I wonder where this is going. <laughs> uh, Todd Gordon has reportedly reached an agreement with Dennis Carluzzo as of August 22nd, which gives him two out of the three votes needed to proceed with official permission. Jim Crockett won't be at the show, but he has clearly given his blessing to it. Reportedly, the reasoning behind the change, uh, the change of heart, is that according to the NWA's legal team, the articles in last week's Wrestling Observer and Pro Wrestling Torch made the NWA look stupid. Right. Uh, uh, well, there's uh, a lot more look than look stupid than that, but yeah. So, a couple of articles in some dirt rag wrestling magazines made you look stupid. I think you do a good job of that yourself, first of all. Second of all, how is that a legal argument? They made us look stupid, so let's do it. Okay? I don't know. But anyway, uh, from a public relations standpoint, the feeling was that since they couldn't come up with the massive legal cost needed to fight the tournament, then they might as well just let it happen. Yeah, it's going <sighs> to overwhelm you. logic for you? <laughs> Dennis Carluzzo's objection in particular to the tournament are that he wanted Chris Benoit to win, and that was actually the main thing holding up negotiations over the past week. So, in the end, he got a promise from Todd Gordon that the eventual mystery winner would drop the title to Benoit right away. Uh, However, uh, yeah, well, dropping the title. <laughs> well, he did. Uh, however, Paul Heyman reportedly stirred the pot further by promising Carluzzo that ECW would just steal Benoit anyway. Oh, well, they like, do. Right. Like, dude, you're negotiating to try to get him to say yes, and you're getting, you might get what you want, and then you're like, yeah, but go F yourself. Like, what? Just shut your mouth. God, I... <sighs> Paul... Anyway, uh, meanwhile, I've seen someone be brilliant and a dumbass at the same time. Have you? We just <laughs> talked about Jim Cornette, man. <laughs> I see a correlation here. Yeah, right. But meanwhile, Jim Crockett tried to sway his buddy Dennis to the to Gordon's side by telling him that he quote had never heard of Chris Benoit anyway. So why make such a big deal of having him be the champion? Well, now to be Uncle- fair, a lot of people hadn't. Was he still just a Pegasus kid? Uh, at this time, he was, I think, wrestling just as uh, Chris Benoit. Well, even but, so, not many people knew him, right? So you can't fault uh, for that. Yeah. Well, Uncle Dave came back with saying, who the hell hasn't heard of Chris Benoit in 1994? Uh, me? I know yeah. I know much, but... I mean, if you don't have your head in the dirt rags and stuff, I mean... He says, so either Crockett is a liar, or he's terrifyingly out of touch with the current product. Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. That, tem- that tends to get 
thrown around a lot for those guys in that era. People still say the same thing about Jim Cornette. <laughs> right. But anyway, no yeah, one is... Paul Heyman, like- we've also mentioned, has adapted to the current thing. But yeah, right. I don't know. This just depends on your mindset. If it's fixed or not. Yep. But anyway, no one is quite sure how the impasse was broken, but it's almost for sure that the tournament will take place on August 29th. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if that's the date, but it does happen. And to wrap this up... Why don't you get back to dropping the title here? <laughs> yeah, right. People don't know. That's the infamous... Uh, 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 what's his name? Shane Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Fuck the Steelers. Shane Douglas. <laughs> that was the infamous one where he throws the belt down. Okay, so I guess he didn't drop it because he threw it, right? So, uh, yeah. Six one half dozen the other. Right. But to wrap this all up, speaking of him, Shane Douglas did an interview on the August 16th ECW show for the NWA title tournament where he constantly compared himself to Ric Flair and challenged him to a shoot. <sighs> yeah. Uncle you were Dave never think- a player, you idiot. Ever. Yep. Uncle Dave thinks that this was wasting TV time by using your product to build up a match that you can't deliver. Right. You don't say. You gotta give Uncle Dave that one. <laughs> right. Also, the line that we always like to use. So we remind everybody that the big star is on the other channel. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, well, that does it for the news and notes. You ready to get into the event? I actually am this week, yes. All right. Well, we're going to take our next break. On the other hand, the other end of it, we're going to dive into SummerSlam 94. Right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. Ugh, another wrestling podcast. How many times can I listen to fans tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days? Enough! The Apron Bump is about the journey. It's about nostalgia. It's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan. The podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world, whether it's WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. We even cover the golden eras of Ring of Honor, Progress, TNA, and more promotions in the future as well. New episodes every Wednesday. Bump day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to apronbump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and subscribe today for the most diverse, fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world. I'm hard. <laughs> Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. Got a price. And we're back. And we're back. This is WWF SummerSlam, the Summerfest of 1994. The date. Shout out to Jeremy August. Pippen. Well, I'm sure he's listening. Exactly. <laughs> he's got nothing better to do. It's not like he's got a job right now. Uh, oh. Anyway. <laughs> the date is August 29th, 1994. Tagline, so hot, it's scary. Sure. Yeah, that's what I say about Gal Gadot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but I I will say this uh, when we go up to Detroit I don't think they I mean I've never been to Michigan but I don't think 
Michigan gets all that hot. Could be wrong, but well, I don't know why. I'm just like surprised you've never been in Michigan. Yeah, you've been in Indiana, like right, right? And Chicago. Oh yeah. So yep. Well, the thing is, there's nothing in Michigan. Like if I, I've I pointed that out on the podcast before. It's like I've I've honestly like looked around because I'm like, oh, what places outside of the state I can go to that'd be fun? I've looked at like uh, West Virginia, uh, Michigan. Like there's nothing unless you like to golf, hike, or fish. Which it's like, eh, uh, how white am I? Yeah, it's like I mean I like to golf and I like to hike. Not big into fishing. But it's like, I, I can do that right here in my own state. I don't need to go on vacation for that crap. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, you're making me excited to go. <laughs> but, Honestly, uh, my, the only thing drawing me there is SummerSlam and hanging out with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to go. To, like I was when I went to Chicago or New York. Hell, even L.A. Well, but, well, that's my thing. Like, normally they do SummerSlam in a, like, kind of a, a fun spot, like a vacation spot. Like, not that I'm complaining because I want to go, but Detroit? Ah, okay. Why don't you just hold it in Indianapolis? Like, it's just about as happening as Detroit right now. I feel like, as far as big pay-per-views go, they only had one. It was WrestleMania 8. Uh, Michigan? Hey, I, no, Indianapolis. I think they might have had oh, a yeah, SummerSlam yeah. in the past, too. Right. And, uh, anybody that... I think you might have pointed this out. Uh, WrestleMania 3... Did not take place in Detroit. It was in uh, Pontiac, Michigan, which is like down the road. Yeah, my dad told me that because he used to live in Detroit, and he said when they they would go to Lions games, it take them like two hours to get there. Oh damn! Like, why? Just yep. It's not Detroit, like people would think. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's just like the old Richfield Coliseum is about an hour outside of Cleveland. So, but anyway, uh, this venue was the United. The San Francisco 49ers actually play in Santa Clara, which is about a uh, 40 minute drive from San Francisco. So it happens more than you would think. And the yeah, Giants right. and Jets play in Jersey, by the way. So there's that too. Yeah, that's always funny. Uh, but anyway, uh, this venue is the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. The attendance was 23,300. So pretty good. Can't uh, tell me it right. was not wanted to be seen by people. Yeah, I mean, the, most of the card looked halfway decent. But the buy rate was 1.25, which amounted to 300,000 buys. Not bad. Uh, it's actually pretty decent. But we start the show with Macho uh, Man. I think I watched it at my buddy's house. Uh, was that when he had the scrambler box? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's funny. But we start the show with the Macho Man Randy Savage coming to the ring, cutting a promo to the crowd, and firing him up. Uh, I thought he was joining Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon on commentary, but he did not. I'm like, this is like basically his. Oh, no, not basically. It's pay-per-view swan song. Oh, this is the last one. Yeah. He'd say goodbye on Raw right after this. But... Wow. And I wonder they weren't jonesing to get him on like in a bigger spot. But now we go into our first match of the evening. It is IRS and Bam Bam Bigelow with Teddy Biasi, who, by the way, is all over the show. Taking yeah. on the head shrinkers of Fatu and Samu with Afa and Captain Lou Albano in their corner. That's a, a fun, fun story. Bunch. This was supposed to be for the tag titles. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> well, this goes just shy of seven and a half minutes. 
the managers keep getting involved and uh, getting hit. Finally, Afa interferes and causes a disqualification against the Head Shrinkers. God. Uh, Uncle Dave didn't rate this for whatever reason. I gave it two below average. Let's say you. I gave it one. This sucked. <laughs> Maybe that's why the titles weren't on the line. I mean, obviously, well, there they were the titles to the be titles. on the line, but it might have added right. something. Yeah. Did, did we just talk about the, the title swing changes at house shows, by the way? I feel like we touched on that in the news. Uh, the, yeah, it was um, Owens' title. Yeah. Yeah, well, so. there actually was a title change, and they stuck with it. Again, more on that later. What is with... Uh, what is it with Diesel winning titles at house shows? <laughs> and he won, his, he won his intercontinental title on Superstars, which is just as good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, after the match, Ted DiBiase heads for the hills as Bam Bam, IRS, and the Head Shrinkers brawl up the aisle and into the crowd. You ever notice that all night, Ted DiBiase acted like, I can't be hit. I can't be hit. Well, I don't think he literally could. Then you have that Lloyd's of London thing. Uh, yeah, but that was only because uh, I think I want to say it was Bruce Pritchard that broke that down. He said there, the stipulation was you couldn't be in a sanctioned match, like one on one match. That's why some people got around it by only doing tag team matches because that was like skirting the line, but not going over it. Like, Okay, then. But we go backstage now for some Naked Gun parody skits where Leslie Nielsen is uh, searching for The Undertaker. He says he's hot and on And yes, these are as bad as they sound. Yeah. They say he's hot on The Undertaker's trail, and there are pieces of paper taped to the walls that say Undertaker Trail. Yeah, that was clever. <sighs> yeah. I like when the one guy's talking to him, and he's like, you're on the case. And he looks down, and he's standing on a case. Yeah. Dumb. Well, I thought that was stupid, but it's in keeping with the, how that movie goes, I believe. I've never seen any of those movies, but... Yeah, uh, I know. They're like the... Uh, the the one movie I did like that was kind of like in that same vein was called Top Secret with um, uh, Val Kilmer. Oh, it was kind of funny. It had all those stupid jokes like that in it, but... Uh, no, no, you and I pointed out we never liked Leslie Nielsen. Didn't ever never watch found Naked him Gun. Funny. Nah. Uh, we're going to offend somebody with that. Whatever. Well, actually. Anyway. Marks, uh, Twitter, you know the deal. Go for it. Yep. Anyway, uh, up next is Alundra Blaze defending the WWF women's title against Bull Nakano with Luna Vachon in her corner. This goes just over eight minutes. Alundra gets a bouquet of flowers before the match, like in Japan. In the end, Nakano I misses... I as a, as a kiss of death. <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> but Nakano misses a diving leg drop. Alundra kicks Luna off the apron and then hits a bridging German suplex on Bull for the win. Uh, Bull Nakano, who is CM Punk's favorite wrestler, by the way. That's a real story. Yeah. But there's anything wrong with that because he's not, but it's just weird. Yeah, she's, she's really good, but your favorite wrestler? Really? Okay. But Uncle Dave gave this three and a quarter stars. I gave it an even three. Really like this match. What say you? I gave it three too, and I, I wrote on there right now. Like I see why everyone loves this woman now. She's damn good. I so didn't really watch one of her matches. For sure, yeah. Uh, her and I feel like her and Alundra Blaze just fought forever. 
whether she was they Medusa did. or Alundra Blaze or whatever yeah. the hell. Uh, who was the other one that she wrestled a lot in WCW? Do you remember? Uh, had Sonny Ono with her? It was another Japanese woman. Uh, it wasn't Miko Satomura, was it? Who's now in NXT. Which no. sounds crazy, I know, but... Uh, wow. It wasn't her, huh? Okay. Akira Hokuto. Or, or yeah. Hokuto. She was yeah, so, too. Yeah, I always forget re- about Akira Hokuto. She reviewed one of her matches with Medusa and gave it high marks, if I remember right. Yeah, she was really good, but... Was it Clash of the Champions, I want to say? Uh, sounds about right. But somebody, uh, somebody pointed out or, or uh, Eric Bischoff pointed out, he said, you know, there are only so many times you can have uh, Medusa versus Bull Nakano or Medusa versus Akira Hokuto before it's like, all right, you know, it's enough. Well, yeah, it's like, only sometimes you can do it. You only have three women on the damn roster. But... <laughs> yeah, right. That just proves that he signed uh, Medusa, Linder Blaze, whatever, just to spite WWE. Yeah, there's no plan for her. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, he's, he literally said he got a call and because he was friends with her, she was like, hey, do you got a spot for me? And he's like, yeah, sure. Come on over. We'll figure something out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Still I, figuring I, that I, out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, uh, I guess. <sighs> anyway. But up next, or after uh, all this backstage, Todd Pettengill is standing by with the WWF tagging, tag team champions, Shawn Michaels and Diesel. One the last night at a live event. Yeah, why the hell? Like, why was that a thing? So stupid. All right, but, I want to break this down for you real quick, too. Because I was thinking about this and watching it. This whole thing was for nothing. They, they, they <laughs> took all up the head shrinkers, thus stripping them of a tag title match on the show. And then mm-hmm. Diesel and Shawn Michaels would never lose the titles. They just get rid of them when they break up at the Survivor Series in a couple of months. So it was literally for nothing. <laughs> of course. Well, and partners must feud, bro. Anyway, uh, HBK points out that collectively he and Diesel have held the Intercontinental title for the past two years. Uh, yeah. De- and the <laughs> and the uh, and the road bl- and the bump in there is Razor Ramon is also part of their group, so. Yeah, I think right. I talked about this on one of the last shows. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, the click, you know, it's kind of hard to deny that the click was running wild during this time, and uh, it wouldn't get any better. Yeah, poor X-Pac, 1, 2, 3, K, didn't get nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. But Diesel is still cutting promos like a stereotypical shouty heel. I don't know. It's... It wasn't very good, in my opinion. It wasn't terrible, but it just seemed like he was playing the part of a wrestler. Like, he got way better with it, like, later on. Yeah, when he became the guy. Yeah, In a couple right. of months. But he's gotten this promo about Razor. He hasn't found his groove just yet. Uh, Todd Pettengill brings up Walter Payton being at ringside, and Sean says they're not worried because they overlook everyone. Cool. You want the best running backs that ever lived? Sure. Yeah. Plow right through them like an offensive line or defensive line. Yeah. But it is Diesel with Shawn Michaels defending the WWF Intercontinental title against Razor Ramon with Walter Payton in his corner. This goes about 15 minutes. I completely forgot about this Razor attire. I wish they'd make a Mattel figure of it. That's an awesome attire. But 
Razor and Walter blew the damn roof off this joint. I don't know if you guys know well, this. Well, Walter did, but... Uh, Razor was hella over, too. Right, but so... Walter Payton's a god in Chicago. So well, of course, that's... yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but, uh, you know, Walter Payton's a little over in Chicago. Just a, area, just so. a tad, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I have a Jax figure of this diesel where he's got diesel written down his one leg. This is Big Daddy Cool on his, on his, uh, his chest. The one I brought you in New York? Maybe. I don't know. Well, you, no, you brought me a Mattel. I have a, I have a Jax figure of oh, it as Jackson. well. Oh, Jax. Okay. Yeah. But Shawn Michaels takes off the turnbuckle pad behind the referee's back. Shawn gets in the ring when Walter Payton accidentally distracts the referee. And Razor pulls Diesel in the way of a sweet chin music. Walter Payton then chases Shawn around the ring and dumps him. Uh, Razor eventually lays an arm over Diesel and pins him to win the IC title. Uncle Dave gave this two and three quarter stars. I liked it a bit more than that. I gave it three and a half. What say you? I gave it three. I really like this one. I thought it was thought it was really good. Uh, if anybody goes back and checks it out, uh, it's it's this is one of my favorite matches on the whole card. There's the women's match, this match, and one other match. Uh, it's, I think everybody knows well, what, the what very it last is. match. Yeah, we know. But. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after the match, Shawn Michaels storms <laughs> off up the aisle, angry. An angry Diesel now follows him, shouting, "Come here!" Meanwhile, it's like a it's like a dad chasing you. It's like, "Come here! I'm gonna whoop your ass!" <laughs> if you don't get back here right now. I'm putting you over my knee. Meanwhile, Razor Ramon, Walter Payton, and Payton's son all celebrate in the ring together. And Razor was the coolest of them all. He was. And Walter now, said that that whole thing was for his kid. By the way, yeah, oh, his son was a. Big WWF fan then. Yeah. Go figure. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right. We now go to the macho man, Randy Savage, who hypes us about we've, what we've already seen so far. We now go backstage to Todd Pettengill standing by with Lex Luger and Tatanka. They show the results of an opinion poll where 54% of WWF fans think that Luger sold out to the million dollar man. Lex tries to defend yeah. himself, but Tatanka doesn't believe him. If Lex, like, if there was a drinking game here where he took a shot every time Tatanka said the words sold out in his promo, you'd be in a coma by the end of this. <laughs> I don't know if you saw any of the build up to this, but he never yeah. referred to Ted DiBiase as just Ted. He always referred to him like by his full government name, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like uh, it's like the Native American Tatanka. You got to yeah. say it all, man. Yeah, like I said, I, you don't want to get him confused with the Mexican Tatanka or the African American Tatanka. You gotta let, let you know he's the Native American. <laughs> yeah, or the or the uh, you know, as as we all know, the the Chinese rice farmer Tatanka. Right. Good grief. Yeah. Looking uh, back at it, maybe they just did that to let us know they had a Native American on the roster. Yeah. Pound it home, man. God dang it, pal. We're diverse. Uh put him there. We're about to turn him evil. Tatanka versus Lex Luger in about six minutes. So going into this, did you think Tatanka was turning heel? Going into this, no. Looking back at it now, I'm like, if I if I knew what I knew now, I'm like, oh, it's obvious as hell. But going into it, no, I was shocked. Yeah, well, my thing is, I don't think anybody saw it coming, not because it was like, oh, it was a good swerve, but it was because it was stupid. 
Like in my opinion, anyway. I, I don't know. To I, this day, I'm like, why does he turn back? I don't get it. Because like, swerve, if you listen bro. to the crowd here, talk is pretty over. But well, about that. Uh, so to talk is doing some some stupid look here where he's basically pasting his bangs to his forehead. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. It looked dumb. I'm like, are you doing this on purpose? Because it looks weird. Or like he just poured water all over himself and his hair was just like sticking to him. But Lex's oh, team using... Oh, you know what? Now, I'm picturing it back now. Yeah, yeah. They were like down. I'm like, what the hell's up with your hair? Okay. And right. the red part was like gone. Right. Uh, but Lex's mu- theme music is so low, it sounds like he's entering to silence. I, I don't understand that one. Before anyone but, says he wasn't over, because they, they killed him. He well, was. That was my, this my is not a good example here. here. The first thing I said here was how Lex wasn't more over during this time period blows my mind. He's athletic. He looks great. He's draped in the American flag. I'm like, come on. And they were like, God dang it, pal. He's just not getting over. He's not connecting with the fans. Like, he, Well, apparently he did in WCW. What the hell are you doing wrong? Uh, pairing but, him up with uh, an undercard guy? I guess. Keep in mind, this is Lex's hometown. He was... That's right. Yeah. He was in a pretty big built-up match here with some backstory. No one gave a damn. You could have heard a mouse pissing on cotton. Up in the rafters. Yeah. From this the floor. Was just, dude, like, nothing. No reactions through this match. Did you notice that? I did. I have it in my notes. Like, man, everyone's sitting on their damn hands here. Yeah, six minutes of who gives a crap. If this wasn't 1994, dude, everybody in their in the audience would have their hands looking down at their crotch with their cell phones in their hands. Yeah, right. Well, the first real reaction is when Ted DiBiase walks to the ring. Go figure. Uh, and he's carrying a red, white, and blue duffel bag. Luger <laughs> I, shouts. I thought that was funny. <laughs> right. No, 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 I can't, I can't answer your earlier question. It's getting even be more obvious at this point. Yeah, right. Well, uh, Luger shouts him down, telling him to leave uh, when DiBiase pulls out the money. This distracts Lex long enough for Tatanka to hit a schoolboy pin for the win. This sucked. Uncle Dave and I both gave it dose stars. What say you? I gave it one. Not good. Uh, Not good. Uh, Not good. uh, Not good. Believe me, not good. (laughs) But after the match. I like that it says believe me. Oh, well. Yeah, right. Well, now I do. <laughs> but after the match, Ted DiBiase gets in the ring and Luger argues with him. Luger kicks the money out of Ted's hands before Tatanka jumps Luger from behind, beating him up and hitting the end of the trail twice on him. The DiBiase is instructing Tatanka the whole way while referees attempt to hold him back. Tatanka finally hugs DiBiase and picks up the money on the ring apron uh, or ring mat, I should say. I, I love how King, by the way, has got, well, we don't know. I don't Do you really think he's with him? I, I don't know about that. Like, well, the some whole time. to that comment, though. I mean, we don't know anything yet. Like, dude, he's defending Ted DiBiase, jumping Luger from behind. Like, I I'm figured just, that was I'm like just saying, right there's some, There is some kind of logic there to his comment, if you think about it. But, A little bit. I just, I thought it was very dumb. <laughs> but either way, uh, after this, though. Uh, when leaving, Tatanka tells the camera, 
We fooled you, Luger, and the whole stinking country. The country, huh? Well, DiBiase says that Tatanka should give Luger a little more. So Tatanka rushes back in the ring to beat Luger up even more and then lock in the million-dollar dream. He then leaves after stuffing a dollar bill in Luger's mouth. Uh, and one thing, I didn't, one thing I didn't really realize until afterward, I wrote down. Like, so now they're depicting the Native Americans selling out to the rich white man. Okay. Cool. Holy cow. <laughs> How much are you giving me? All right. But we go backstage now to see Gorilla Monsoon on the WWF Superstar line. Monsoon says that Tatanka is an embarrassment to all Native Americans. That's quite the statement. I wrote my note before he said that, by the way. But yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, okay. I don't even know what to say about that. But up next, it is Jeff Jarrett versus Mabel with Oscar. This goes five minutes, 45 seconds. Mo is currently hurt, by the way. Oh, so this is when, huh? Yeah. He's about to come back in like a few weeks on Superstars, just randomly. They didn't really announce it, but hey, look who's back. Mo. Yeah. The crowd is hot as hell for Oscar and Mabel's entrance. Yes, you know what that means. They got to turn bad soon. (laughs) Exactly. Can't have that. Well, they (laughs) sure fixed that. that. (laughs) (laughs) And they did. He'd never be over again. I don't understand the logic there. Tonko's hot as hell, too. Yep. I don't get it, man. But when the king asks McMahon how big Mabel is, Vince says, quote, I don't think you can calculate how big he is. Yes, Vince. It's called weights and measurements. You use things called scales and rulers for that sort of stuff. Well, to be fair, he said he didn't think. Yeah, well, that means he's an idiot. I mean, am I putting too much thought into this, or is Vince McMahon a moron? Yeah, how much of a moron? He just beat the federal government a couple months ago. Didn't we just talk about how you can be, like, smart and a dumbass all at the same time? Yeah. (laughs) Ironically, it seems to be a running theme with wrestling promoters, but okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, God bless Jeff Jarrett for carrying the load of this. Like, good God, this sucked. And sticking with that point, proving no one gave a damn about this match, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz comes through the crowd mid-match with a sign that says, I'm on strike. Because the MLB's on strike, get it? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're not a This is the third player, time right? this year, by the way. They did something within WWE that acknowledged the MLB strike. There was Why? a referee at WrestleMania 10, that horrible announcer we talked about the King of the Ring 94. Now the That's archives, right. And now this. Yep. <laughs> My question is, why? They just had to poke fun of the fact that they were on strike. And apparently Vince didn't give a damn about, uh, about like sports. Why the hell did he care so much about this? Uh, didn't give a damn uh, about sports, but the main event of his next pay-per-view or next WrestleMania would be uh, one of the greatest linebackers of all time. <laughs> and he had Walter Payton here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it was weird because like uh, Conrad and Bruce got into an argument about that because he uh, Vince was on somebody like some late night show. And they're like, can you tell me who won the World Series this past year? And he had no idea. Stupid Astros. <laughs> Uh, wait, are, are they the current champions? Yeah. 
again. Good lord. See, oh, I don't no, know, but I'll cheat and get away with it. Oh, how, how dare you, Greg? Allegedly. Oh, there's no legend. They got caught. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But to wrap this up, uh, Mabel holds Jarrett so that Oscar can slap him, and yet that's not a DQ for some reason. This you is know why, Gre- man. You know why, Greg? Because me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, Mabel jumps up, tries try. Uh, Mabel jumps up and tries to sit on Jarrett, who sees his whole life flash before his eyes, and he moves at the last second. So Mabel hits the floor. Then he hooks Mabel's leg. Kevin Nash for like, the you win. can do that? Right. <laughs> Uncle Dave gave this three quarters of a star. I gave it a star and a half. Just I bumped it up half a star for Jarrett, because God bless him. Uh, what say you? What the hell do you think I gave this crap? Uno? Yeah. Ah, yeah, it sucks, man. But after the match, Jeff Jarrett hightails it out of there as quickly as possible. The lights drop as Vince McMahon says the super sleuths are searching for the Undertaker. A spotlight hits Leslie Nielsen and the other guy that's with him while they're on the stage. <laughs> Swear to you, that's what I wrote. Leslie Nielsen and that other guy that's with him. Yeah, I, I don't freaking know, man. People can, you know, well, actually, I, I don't care. I, I didn't care about the movies. I don't care about this guy. But a silhouette of the Undertaker appears in the entryway. And the crowd goes nuts. When these guys turn around, he's gone. Gone forever, bro. So before the next match, while the cage is being built, Vince McMahon and uh, Jerry Lawler interview Stu and Helen Hart at ringside. Stu's analysis was, eh, well, he, yeah, Brett, he's a big bastard. He, uh, you know, he locks in that, uh, that uh, sharpshooter. He'll stretch his ass. Uh. Owen's a funny little bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Owen Hart, he's a he's a you know, he's a, a slippery little weasel. He gets in the ring, and uh, as long as he's got a job, you know, he helped <laughs> he helped that 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 rhino, that big bastard. He he got him a job. Either way, both of these, uh, both Stu and Helen, say that this feud will end after tonight, or they hope the feud will end after tonight. Lawler shouts at them and says that it's the entire Hart family that drove Owen to do all of this. British Bulldog, with a hell of a perm, is uh, questioned and says that uh, he knows the condition that Brett is in and hopes that everyone is safe. Jim Neidhart is there and says that Owen is the greatest heart of all and will be the next WWF champion. Yeah, well, shouldn't he be saying Stu's the greatest heart of all? He keeps getting his ass a job. (laughs) Right. It's just me, but... (laughs) Get on your knees, you big bastard, and kiss my wrinkled ass. Uh, what the hell? <laughs> uh, anything. You know, what I was thinking about the other day. Wrinkled ass. You said that uh, <laughs> Vince kept listening to Stu because he respected him so much, right, and loved him. Yeah. Why have we not gotten like a figure of Stu Hart yet? Uh, you didn't love him that much. <laughs> I don't know. Well, God dang it, pal! Nobody gives a damn. I don't know. But, well, speaking of nobody giving a damn, Bruce Hart then says that he'll make sure Neidhart doesn't get anywhere near that cage tonight. Oh, well, thank God. Do you think that he could like, physically stop Anvil? Who's probably, by the way, the biggest of all the guys here. Yeah, you don't say. And that includes Bulldog. <laughs> right. 
Well, we now go backstage with Todd Pettengill standing by uh, with Bret Hart. Todd informs us that Bret's recovering from strep throat. Yeah. That's a shoot, we'll by the way. That. Right. He's always got like a flu or strep throat or something when he's in a big match. And it never hinders his performance, I gotta say. Right. Crazy. But Brett says that that won't affect him, and he'll prove tonight that he's better than Owen. He's tongue-tied and gives he like gives up on multiple sentences halfway through. This is a god-awful promo. Like, I swear to God, he'll be in the middle of a sentence and like he'll just it's it's like, you know, uh Anyway, and then like he'll move on to another point. Like, what? What the <laughs> f- are you saying? <laughs> there's, a, um, there's a comedian. He does impressions. He was saying that Jeff Goldblum's like this, and it's when he talks to people. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, like they always talk about like uh, like senile old you know grandpa. He's like you know the uh, like um, anyway, and then he moves on to another point. Like that's Brett. But he's doing it fast. Like, he's, he's talking fast here. Like, like we're talking like used car salesman fast. Right. And he can't understand a damn word. But this, by the way, is not the main event. It's Bret Hart because defending. why would it be? Exactly. It's Bret Hart defending the WWE title against. Bret Hart against, the world title at SummerSlam. Right. He's defending it against Owen Hart in a steel cage match. This goes 32 minutes and 22 seconds. Oh, and jump starts. We have a mutual friend, by the way, who will swear this is the greatest cage match of all time. I know it's hard to argue, but I still got to go with AMW uh, and Triple X at turning point, man. That was just. Uh. Did we do that one? I don't know if we ever did that I one. Don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. That was a freaking classic, though, man. Not just right. for the US Skipper thing, but it was just great all around. Yeah, right. Well, either way. Oh, and jump starts this one as soon as Brett gets in the cage. If we had a drinking game where you took a shot every time someone said that this was the most dangerous match in the history of the WWF, you'd have alcohol poisoning by the end of it. I think you've already, uh, I think you've now made two drinking game references. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, you could have done them on this card, man. I'm telling you. In the end, Owen and Brett both climb the cage to the outside wall. Owen gets his leg hung up in the cage. And then Brett drops to the floor to win. This was great. I feel it was a tad long. Just just a smidge. Like, they could have knocked off, like, five minutes, and it would have been fine. But Uncle Dave gave this a perfect five-star score. I give it four and a half. Let's say you. Yeah, I'm with Uncle Dave on this one. Five. Yeah, it was really good. I was definitely in my top two, probably. Two or three. I'm trying to think, like, off the top of my head, if I can think of another cage match that's even better. It might be the best I can come up with, but I don't know. I'm talking just cage, right? Not Hell in the Cell? Right, yeah. But after the match, Jim Neidhart clotheslines the British Bulldog from behind, knocking him into his wife, Diana. Both yeah, of them ate it, man. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, man. She wiped out, man. I kind of felt bad for her. It- She's a little woman, and Bulldog is, well, Bulldog. Right. Yeah, both tumble over the guardrail and into ringside. Jim then beats up Brett for a while as uh, the other hearts check on Bulldog and Diana. 
Jim and Owen throw Brett into the cage and chain the door shut while Owen beats Brett down. Bruce, Smith, and Keith Hart and uh, the British Bulldog keep trying to climb the cage walls, attempting to get in, but Owen and Jim keep kicking and punching them off. This, in my opinion, was kind of reminiscent of the Von Erich Freebird angle in, in WCCW. If uh, I don't know if you remember that one. They talked about it on the WCCW documentary. Then I've definitely Apparently. seen it. I just don't remember it. But. Yeah, I, I think uh, Michael Hayes like acted like he was with them, and then he like swerved them, and then like they locked the cage and just beat the crap out of a couple of the Von Erichs, whatever. And the rest of them were like trying to climb in, and they're Didn't just they say like, some fans trying to climb in too, save them. Yeah, they said the game near started a riot. So that I do remember. Yeah, uh, I, I want to say the Four Horsemen did something similar to this too with Dusty. I think it was Dusty. And again, damn near started a riot. But either way, uh, really you made t- a comment about this going a tad long. I thought this afterbirth went forever. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay, when is this going to wrap up? Like, come on now. And you notice none of them thought maybe we should all climb the cage at the same time and throw them off because <laughs> there's only there's only two of them. Uh, but that's like when like the good guys surrounded by the bad guys in a movie and they come at them one at a time. Like that was the thing with Walker Texas Ranger. I was like, why don't the bad guys ever like gang up on him? But no, one at a time, and they all get roundhoused. But by the time they finally make it onto into the cage, Owen and Jim hightail it for the back. Backstage, Todd Pettengill. Ooh, whose mic isn't working, by the way, is trying to get comments from Owen and Jim, uh, Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart. Did you catch that? Like the, the, uh, they hadn't switched over to the, the portable mic. Like they're still using like the, the internal camera mic. I did not catch that. Oh. Yeah. If you go back and, and listen, like when Todd's talking into the mic, you can't even freaking hear him. And the only well, reason you can a, hear that was a problem a lot back in the day. Yeah. The only reason you can hear them is because they're yelling loud enough for the camera to pick it up. Because they're in a pretty like cavernous uh, parking garage. But Owen claims that he should have been the winner. And Neidhart says that every time Brett gets in his way, he'll lay him out. They leave the building together as we see the Hart family all helping Brett backstage. Now we get a commercial for Clear, the Survivor Series. Clearly, Owen's not wrong. They are all favoring Brett, right? Yeah, right. Well, at I mean, this point, I mean, one of them is being kind of an a-hole to you. <laughs> Why would you take his side? <laughs> but that was the whole catalyst of how this whole thing started. The family loves you more. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, before we get into all the stuff of the main event, let's take our second to last break of the podcast. When we come back, uh, it's main event time. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go movie. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Brocast. Brocast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. What do we do? 
Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Hey, hey, it's all right. Good on you. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. And we're back. Before the main event, Ted DiBiase comes to the ring and says that he doesn't know what Paul Bearer is bringing with him, but he's here to introduce The Undertaker. Once The Undertaker <laughs> enters in... in this, uh, whole, this whole thing is what? stupid, man. The whole thing. I yeah. know it sounds redundant to say, but I'm like... He left because Yokozuna put him in the casket and he's gone. Like, Why did he come back to feud with Ted DiBiase? Yeah, like nothing ever comes of that. Oh, you killed me, but yeah, whatever. He did that twice, by the way. Like, he never got revenge on the Nexus. Yeah, right. Like, man, yeah. no, they started the whole thing with Ted DBS. Like, I brought you here and I'm bringing you back. And blah. Still, nothing to do with Yokozuna. Right. Nothing. And I don't, at all. I don't think he ever goes back to him. Yeah, at the Sora series, he does. Another casket match. Oh. And that's it. Cool. Well, but then he reverts way. right back to, to feuding Ted DiBiase's group. <laughs> Everybody feuded with Ted DiBiase at this time. But yeah, once he'll he'll uh, go to feud with Kama and IRS and King Kong Bundy. And... I remember that, yeah. And they melted his urn down to make that chain. Yeah. Which I have a Mattel toy of. The chain. <laughs> right. But once that Undertaker enters in gray gloves and spats, the lights drop and Paul Bearer comes out. The druids follow him, pushing a casket. When the casket opens, Paul Bearer pulls out a giant urn. He gets in the ring, takes the lid off the urn, and a light shines all through the arena as lights flicker. Dude, when I was there a kid, that blew my mind. I know. I loved this whole thing. The first time I saw it, I was like, hell yeah! But the real Undertaker enters now, wearing purple gloves and spats. Was this the debut of that look? It was, yes. Okay. That was my favorite Undertaker. The gray was fine, but I always liked the purple. If I remember correctly, he would bring the gray back WrestleMania 13. Ah, okay. But this is The Undertaker with Ted DiBiase versus The Undertaker with Paul The Underfaker. (laughs) Uh, This goes about nine minutes. Yeah. So, the purple Undertaker sits up at one point. The gray Undertaker goes for a tombstone, and the purple Undertaker reverses it into a jumping tombstone. He then picks the gray Undertaker up and hits a second tombstone. After looking at Ted DiBiase, the purple Undertaker picks up the gray Undertaker and hits a third tombstone while Paul Bearer eggs him on. This gets the three count. Uncle Dave gave this negative one star. I gave it two. It was below average, but it was okay. Let's say you. I gave it one. This was terrible. <laughs> Not good at all. Believe me. Or should, 
not good. Believe me, not good. <laughs> not a good thing. But yeah, I don't know. This is notoriously one of the worst SummerSlam main events in history. So, yeah, well, hold my beer, says 1995. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one's going to blow it away, but. Uh, what was 96's main event? I forget off the top of my head. That was the infamous Shawn Michaels Vader uh, main event. Oh, yeah, where he, he called him fat and yelled at him to move. <laughs> that was a that was something to behold. But after the match, Ted DiBiase runs for the back. The Druids return and open the casket, open the casket for the Purple Undertaker to roll the Gray Undertaker into and wheel it away. The lights drop and Paul Bear. Opens this was a metaphor for the Chicago Bears entire lifespan. Good God. Uh, hold Bear on to that 85 ring, huh? Opens the, uh, the urn to show that light again. The Undertaker poses while the lights flicker and sounds like a storm happening inside the arena. Macho Man now sends us to Leslie Nielsen and his partner in the back who open the casket and there's nothing inside. That's about to get dumber, folks. Believe it or not. They, they, then, rush, <laughs> they then rush over to a golden briefcase saying, the case is closed before going off to get some <laughs> I understand that. It's funny. Yeah. This, uh... Sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you don't say. Well, either way, this ends the show. Because, you know, you, you got to end it on a, a low note. Why not? I have, the whole show is a low note. Except yeah. for one match. Yeah, I well, see. more than one, but one highlight. They say the case is closed and oh, they're going to go get something to eat. And I just thought. Yeah. Pizza had a course. Good grief. Uh, is uh, Jim Hurd coming along? How do you think they're going to fund it? Exactly. Idiots. But all right. That takes us to our final break of the podcast. Mercifully, on the other end of this, we're going to tell you what's coming up in the future this month. We got a huge month right here on the podcast right after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also, check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the BellyUp Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. Expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. 
You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. Got a price. And we're back. We're back. Final ratings time here. I actually liked it better than a lot of people, I guess. Internet Movie Database only gave it 6.7 out of 10. Uh, Cagematch.net gave it 7.17 out of 10. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10 for C+. What say you? C minus. Yeah, I don't know. There were three really good matches on this show. Everything else pretty much. Sucked. I had it at one really good match, a good match, and then a decent match. I thought the women's I'm match. Pretty sure we're talking was, about the same three. Yeah, I thought the women's match was really good, uh, especially considering you know what we'd seen at this time. Uh, the Diesel and Razor match I really liked, and then obviously the the cage match. Yeah, Undertaker versus Undertaker was just for show. Uh, there's nothing there. No, no stake to that sizzle, huh? Oh, but uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Mabel was uh, God. Uh, Tatanka versus Lex Luger was piss, and that opening tag match was crap. So, I told you this wasn't Mabel's worst SummerSlam match ever. Would you believe me? <laughs> I'd be like, oh God, I can't. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to know what's coming up. Yeah, it'll be coming up when you watch it. (laughs) Right. Anyway, that wraps that up. Our first of three SummerSlams we're going to be doing this month. The next one is uh, about six six years after this one. A lot better, by the way. A lot better. I'm sure it is. Uh, It's one of my favorite years in wrestling. But next week, though... August 9th, it's this, uh, Death Before Dishonor 6, Ring of Honor from twen- uh, 2008. Main event, four big stars for the world title. It's Nigel McGinnis, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Tyler Black. I think you may know some of them guys. And then, of course, we've got El Generico and Kevin Steen versus the Motor City Machine Guns. So One of these guys is the real champion right now. <laughs> And it's right. not Owens or Zane. So it is, yeah, right. So it's the WWE Tag Team Champions taking on the Impact World and X Division Champions. Yep. How about that? So uh, there's some other good stuff on the show as well. The NWA title will be defended uh, by Adam Scrap Daddy Pierce. Matt. I think he was. Is official. <laughs> uh, he's defending against Brent Albright, who some from the Ruthless Aggression era may remember as Gunner Scott. Uh, and yeah, uh, Adam Pierce has a huge uh, uh, entourage with him here for this one. So I'm so glad you said entourage. <laughs> You're like, where are you going with this? <laughs> but that's coming up next week, August 9th. SummerSlam 2000 is coming up August 16th. That's going to be a fun uh, SummerSlam to watch back. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I probably it's really it. good. I just, yeah. Thank you for uh, joining me today, Greg. Yep. And as always, we will see you next week. 
uh, we won't be talking so much about SummerSlam on the pod because we're recording early. Check our YouTube page. We'll talk about SummerSlam on there and uh, we'll have footage. Yeah, we'll have footage, pictures on social media, all that good stuff. So check that out. And as always, if you're in the Detroit area and you listen to the podcast, let us know. Say hi. Let us know. Uh, let, let Greg know if you're a Michigan fan or if you hate Michigan and you're on my side. You know, I'll, I'll uh, give oh. you a fist bump for that one. Go blue. Uh, F that. Uh, this is for all the Scarlet and Gray fans out there. Uh, and I'll be your Scarlet fan. Good grief. Uh, we'll see you all next week, ladies and gentlemen, with Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor 6. Yeah.